SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after on a Monday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. What a Monday it is in the football realm. Not only do we recap and look back on the conclusion of the NFL regular season, a finale in week 18 that gave up highlights and memories that we will think of for quite some time. The focus has already shifted to the postseason, but mainly on this Black Monday The coaching moves being made as we speak across the National Football League. And then on top of all of that, there's a football game tonight. The final football game of the college football season. A national championship at stake between number one Alabama and number three Georgia in the CFP National Championship game. We will preview that game in full later on in this second hour. Every angle that you need to know across the entire board for the college football playoff national championship but as we begin a new hour here on tma on this monday if you are just joining us let's recap what has happened in the last 30 35 minutes or so really across the nfl black monday got started with the breaking news out of minnesota first and foremost the vikings letting go of general manager rick spielman and head coach mike zimmer both of those gentlemen out in Minnesota then it went to their foe in the NFC North the Chicago Bears firing Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace that firing of at least head coach Matt Nagy was expected for some time there had been the rumor mill starting to spin really dating back to the Bears game against the Lions on Thanksgiving Day so those moves not all that shocking and there had been some reporting that Mike Zimmer probably on his way out at the conclusion of this regular season for Minnesota as well The one that has really set the NFL world ablaze on this Monday morning, the Miami Dolphins letting go of Brian Flores. Brian Flores fired as the head man down there in South Beach. This is Miami Dolphins team that yesterday ended out their regular season with a winning record, 9-8 overall, above 500, and an upset victory over the New England Patriots, a playoff team at home to end out the year. A Dolphins team that didn't really have anything to play for except to maybe spoil a little bit of postseason seeding for New England and the Dolphins win outright as a six-point underdog at home against the Pats yesterday to go above 500 with a nine and eight record this was a Miami Dolphins team that won their first game of the year also a win over the New England Patriots then lost seven straight games to fall to one and seven it seemed like their season was over pack it up they're done they fought back showed some resilience won seven straight before falling last week, the Miami Dolphins did, and then they bounced back to end out the regular season to go above 500. So in his three-year tenure in South Beach for the Dolphins franchise, Brian Flores dealt a pretty tough hand in that opening year when they seemed like the worst team in the NFL. The Finns started out a really bad record. Oh, and seven, they responded by winning five of their last nine games and they go 5-11 in Brian Flores' first year in Miami. Then last year, a 10-6 football team that just barely missed the AFC postseason. And then this year, we're in postseason contention, entering week 17 of the NFL campaign before a loss to the Tennessee Titans and a Chargers win eliminated the Miami Dolphins, but still finishing the year 
above 500 with an upset victory over the New England Patriots yesterday. As we want to welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here to the second hour of the morning after on this Monday morning. Tons to get to in the football world across the National Football League, both a recap of yesterday and the regular season finale coming to a close, but also on this Monday morning, all the coaching moves and organizational changes you need to know across the National Football League. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 159, our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. And I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on a Monday morning. Using this time to start off a new hour on TMA to recap some of the breaking news we have seen on this Monday morning. The Vikings, the Bears, and now the Miami Dolphins will all be without a head coach and a new head coach needed moving forward. The Vikings letting go of Mike Zimmer and GM Rick Spielman. The Bears letting go of head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace. The Miami Dolphins rather shockingly letting go of Brian Flores as the head man in Miami, but keeping general manager in place there for Miami. There's been a lot of reporting about why the Dolphins have made this move because it is the most shocking of the three we have seen. And Vic Fangio of the Denver Broncos fired yesterday following the Broncos' loss in their season finale on Saturday at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. So now four head coaching moves we have seen in the past 48 hours. So back to the Dolphins. A lot of speculation and reporting about why this move was made. Apparently, according to Ian Rappaport and other NFL insiders, there were some organizational differences among head coach Brian Flores and the brass in charge in Miami in terms of that general manager head coaching relationship. Also, the relationship between starting quarterback Tua Tungavailoa and head coach Brian Flores. Ian Rapport also reporting that if you remember earlier in the year, there was some conversation around Deshaun Watson maybe leaving Houston to go to Miami to be the new quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. But a lot of that interest was in head coach Brian Flores, who certainly seemed like he had the team playing for him. A lot of reporting and a lot of speculation that Brian Flores and upper management did not agree. That's why they let him go. So who might a potential replacement be? We have all speculated it could be Jim Harbaugh with the Michigan ties with the owner of the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross. There's some reports that that is not in the cards as of right now. All that goes on on Black Monday across the National Football League with changes around the league. More of the morning after continues here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid. A lot of breaking news across the National Football League on a day known around league circles as Black Monday. Thank you for joining us here on SportsGrid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. So let's recap again what we have seen, really, in the last 45 minutes or so across the National Football League. Three big moves organizationally to bring you here. The Minnesota Vikings, earlier this morning, firing head coach, Mike Zimmer, and general manager Rick Spielman. So, both of those moves rather expected after a disappointing year for the Minnesota Vikings, eliminated from postseason contention even before Week 17 got underway. Then, within that same division, another move, 
that was pretty darn expected for the final month and a half of this NFL regular season. The Chicago Bears letting go of head coach Matt Nagy and firing general manager Ryan Pace. Possibly the most shocking on this Black Monday morning, the firing of head coach in Miami, Brian Flores. The Miami Dolphins deciding to part ways with Brian Flores after the third year of his coaching tenure in South Beach. Brian Flores, in his three years, his first year with Miami, they showed some resilience down the stretch after a tough start to the year, starting 0-7. They won five of their final nine games. The second year, 10-6, just missing out on a postseason bid last year in 2020. Now, in 2021, ending the year with an upset victory yesterday, over the New England Patriots at home, 33-24, winning outright as a six-point underdog. The Miami Dolphins won eight of their final nine games after starting out one in seven. They won their first game, the opener against the New England Patriots. They lost seven straight. All seemed like it was done, and maybe then the speculation started to grow about Brian Flores' coaching security. But then they won seven straight games. And in fact, entering week number 17, they held the seventh and final playoff spot in the AFC postseason before ultimately falling to Tennessee on the road against the Titans, who are the number one overall seed in the AFC. But they bounce back and show that gritty nature under Brian Flores once again with a win in their season finale against the New England Patriots. So as we dive through here, Jeff Darlington, a reporter for ESPN that is following the Miami Dolphins, lives, I believe, down in South Beach as well. Jeff Darlington reporting earlier this morning. While I realize many are assuming Flores' departure is tied to Jim Harbaugh's potential availability, I can assure you, Jeff Darlington says in this tweet, that is not the case. The Dolphins are not targeting Jim Harbaugh per sources. The decision to fire Flores is entirely independent. Now, after we take some of that reporting here and the further analysis that we have this morning, there were some organizational differences in Miami. Owner Stephen Ross, GM Chris Greer, obviously still in place. Unlike the other two head coaching vacancies we have now seen this morning, in which the general manager also let go from the Vikings and the Bears, the Dolphins retain GM Chris Greer. He is staying in that front office for the Miami Dolphins. Apparently, there were some, and this is reporting that we have seen this morning, there were some internal differences between GM Chris Greer, head coach Brian Flores, and maybe some of the moves made within that Miami Dolphins organization. There were apparently some rifts between quarterback Tua Tungabailoa and head coach Brian Flores. There was also a lot of speculation, if you remember, earlier on in this NFL regular season that Deshaun Watson was only interested in going to the Miami Dolphins. And he has a no-trade clause as a part of the team he currently is employed by in the Houston Texans. And he wanted to go to Miami. And a lot of that, as Ian Rappaport, NFL Network lead reporter, said this morning, was tied to the interest in working with Brian Flores. Now Brian Flores not there. It is interesting to see this report and this tweet from Jeff Darlington of ESPN saying that the Dolphins' decision to fire Brian Flores independent of a potential desire to bring in Jim Harbaugh. And the reason we bring that up is because that the owner of the Miami Dolphins is Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross is a proud Michigan alum, donates a lot of money to the University of Michigan. Their business school at UM is named after Stephen Ross. And he has been at least tied or interested in the idea of bringing in Jim Harbaugh 
as a head coach. We had reports last week from the Athletics' Bruce Feldman that Jim Harbaugh was once again interested in making the leap from college to the NFL. In a year after Jim Harbaugh renegotiated his salary with Michigan after a 2-4 and four season in 2020, and in this year, 2021, Jim Harbaugh leads Michigan to a Big Ten title where they win finally the first in his tenure over Ohio State and a spot in the college football playoff. So after all of that, Jim Harbaugh arising speculation that he was interested in a move back to the National Football League certainly caught attention of many. And the thought was, with some of those vacancies now, the Chicago Bears firing Matt Nagy, Jim Harbaugh was a quarterback for the Bears in his playing days as well, with the ties to Stephen Ross in Miami, that the Bears and the Dolphins, two pretty likely spots, or at least suitors, it would seem, for Jim Harbaugh. Also, he has an expressed a desire to potentially work for the Las Vegas Raiders, who right now are using interim head coach Rick, Rick, uh, Rich Passaccia to bring them to the postseason, but still technically a coaching vacancy there for the Las Vegas Raiders. So we are now hearing, at least based on reports from Jeff Darlington, that Jim Harbaugh is not being pursued by the Miami Dolphins. So there's no odds of this up right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. There might potentially be odds for the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings or the Chicago Bears or especially the hot-button topic on this Monday in the Miami Dolphins. But let's see exactly what that might look like. So as we look around right here at what some of those potential names might be, Jim Harbaugh will certain, certainly be in speculation as tied to the Chicago Bears and the Miami Dolphins. There's also been some talk about another Big Ten coach. In fact, the most bitter rival of Michigan-Ohio State's Ryan Day, a young offensive-minded college head coach who might also be interested in making a leap to the NFL, although Ryan Day at this time has debunked any of that speculation or interest coming from the NFL. So if it's not those gentlemen looking for the Chicago Bears or the Miami Dolphins or the Las Vegas Raiders, you will hear some other names. There has been some reports that some of the defensive coordinators across the league are going to be certainly at the forefront, Dallas is Dan Quinn after a great year orchestrating that Cowboys defense. Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills entered yesterday the top scoring defense in the NFL. Todd Bowles of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the reigning Super Bowl champions, and now the number two overall seed in the NFC. Could they be tied to any of the head coaching vacancies? We have heard some ties to Alabama's Bill O'Brien. Yes, Alabama's offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, and of course, the Crimson Tide in the college football playoff national championship game tonight. Bill O'Brien, it has been reported, will interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars following tonight's college football playoff national championship game between Alabama and Georgia. The Jags, another team that need a head coach. There have been some speculation tied to Dan Quinn as well. So there will be odds, hopefully, up on the FanDuel Sportsbook at some time so you can make some wagers on this and who might be most likely to be the new head coach with the Minnesota Vikings, the Denver Broncos, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Chicago Bears, and now the Miami Dolphins as well. And don't forget the Las Vegas Raiders as a part of that list because interim head coach Rich Passaccia, although has led the Raiders to the AFC postseason with a thrilling win in overtime yesterday, over the Los Angeles Chargers doesn't necessarily guarantee he will be the head man for the Raiders moving forward in the desert. So as we continue to monitor this situation this morning, might there be more news coming out of the NFL 
on this Black Monday. That we shall see. I am refreshing, as a lot of you are, I am sure, out there. ESPN's Adam Schefter's Twitter feed to see what new news might be coming out. Nothing as of yet. And we will break that all down as it becomes available across the National Football League. But let us not forget the final college football game of the season tonight. A national title on the line between number one Alabama and number three Georgia. A rematch of the SEC championship game now in the national title. Mark Zeno joins us next. The mouth in the south to break it all down from every angle. Stay with us here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Football is front and center on this Monday edition of the Morning After on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. We have reacted to the NFL breaking news on this Black Monday, the coaching changes and organizational shifts across the league. We have looked back on Week 18, the end of the NFL regular season, and how the playoff picture now looks across the NFL as well. But football needs to be the focus on this Monday as well in the college ranks, the college football playoff national championship game in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium tonight, number one, Alabama, and number three, Georgia. As you can see right there, the spread in favor of the Georgia Bulldogs, but moving ever so slightly. UGA now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. For most of the last week, it has been at three in favor of Georgia. The opening early line before the CFP semifinals even took place, it was Georgia favored yet again against Alabama. Just a slight one-point spread. We are going to break this game down from a side perspective as you look at that spread. From an over-under perspective of that total at 52.5. Every prop you need to know. Every team total you need to know. The adjustments made from the last month since these two teams met in the SEC championship game back the first weekend of December. And helping us to do that over the course as we round out this hour number two of TMA, it is the mouth in the south, Mark Zeno. You can catch him all across the grid each and every week. He has been here a time, time and again to break down college football. And now that we have a meeting of two SEC teams, Mark, in the national title game, we are glad to have your perspective one more time. Uh, ben, it's great to be here on National Championship and the Mountain in the South gets one more run at this college football thing before we hang it up until next season. So very excited for tonight. So, Mark, we had the fade the public poll earlier on to round out our first hour. Nearly 47% of the public that we polled in that instance said Alabama was the right play tonight. That was the best bet of the night. Alabama getting two and a half points in the National Championship game against Georgia that does not shock me by any means because Alabama was a six and a half point underdog in the SEC title game against Georgia the first weekend of December just over a month ago and of course the Crimson Tide won outright it was only their second game in the past five seasons booked as an underdog it was only the third time in the past 12 years booked as an underdog as the Alabama Crimson Tide so tonight will be just the fourth time in the past 12 years so Mark 
Are you interested to see some of that line movement we have seen on FanDuel from three points in favor of the dogs now to two and a half points in favor of UGA? I think it's telling, again, a lot of people were, were very sort of shocked that Georgia was still a favorite after what happened in the SEC championship game. But you got to remember, oddsmakers put the lines together based off a season's worth of data, not just one game. Alabama had five times this year they were a double-digit favorite and failed to cover the spread during SEC mm. play, including close games with Georgia, uh, with Florida. Arkansas, LSU, Alabama, and clearly, again, the loss to A&M. So this was an Alabama team that had a lot of hiccups along the way. Georgia never had a hiccup. They only had one hiccup, and that was in the SEC championship game. And then they went back to their dominating fashion against Michigan in the national semifinals. So Georgia is the team that's supposed to be favored. As soon as the, they opened at two and a half, a lot of sharp money came in on Georgia. And then as soon as it was moved yeah. to three, the sharp money came back in on Alabama, as you would expect. I think the public will continue to take Alabama, especially if it is at three as opposed to two and a half. But as we get closer to kickoff tonight, I'm curious to see. I don't think this line ever gets a three and a half. But if enough money comes in on mm -hmm. Georgia and you catch a three and a half somewhere, it's Alabama City for me. I think it's going to be interesting, Mark, to see what that handle looks like what does the money look like tonight i think a lot of public investment will back alabama maybe getting two and a half points or even plus 120 on the money line as things stand entering the national title game tonight but could some sharp money some bigger investment come in on georgia to move that line back to three points in favor of the dogs and over under as well of 52 and a half so mark from your perspective we asked the public what is the best play tonight what draws your attention more a side in this game or that over under for the national championship game tonight as tough it is as tough as it is to handicap the side in this game because i think they're both evenly matched teams evenly talented i give a little bit little bit of a coaching edge obviously to Nick Saban, but you know, I've said all week long, this game is about gut. It's about feel, you know, it, to use a poker analogy, it's a pair of tens or a pair of jacks pre-flop. And, and do you want to go all in, right? Like it's, what does your gut sort of tell you about the way the game is played out? The total here is really tough to handicap. I mean, the last two cleared this total rather easily, 41 to 24 finals in both of them. Another matchup between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban went 35, 28 in favor of Alabama. The only one that didn't, clear the the 52 total that we're looking at tonight was the last national championship where it was 26 23 in overtime but that number was 48 and they went over the total in that game i would tell you this is a correlating bet situation if you're on alabama the over is going to come in if you're on georgia the under is going to come in i have a hard time creating a game script where georgia wins this game 36 33 like i, I just don't see them scoring that many points and Alabama keep it in a shootout fashion and Alabama keeping up with them and, and not getting the better of them because they have the better offense and the better quarterback. So I could see in a situation where Alabama wins, the under comes in. I think that's a feasible scenario. But if you're taking Georgia, you're praying the under or you're figuring the under is going to be a big part of what happens tonight because I just don't see a scenario where Georgia gets into a shootout and comes out on top. And that's the very interesting thing to me, Mark Zeno, about handicapping this football game. Because oftentimes, just from an overall betting perspective, when you think about how you correlate a side with a total, if an underdog is going to win, or at least cover a number, often that leads you to think, well, then scoring is at a premium. The under will hit. If a favorite is going to cover a number, often that pushes us, at least in thought, to an over 
for a total. I think you flipped that on its head tonight. If Alabama is going to win, you could expect it to look like the first game between these two this year in that SEC title and a scoring affair to take place where we see an over. If Georgia plays their brand of football that relies on a dominant defense and they are going to win and cover tonight, maybe that brings us to an under of that total at 52 and a half. I want to bring up that board once again about the tail of the tape because I think that is very intriguing for what the game script is going to look like and thus what might result, especially in that total tonight. As you can see, Alabama ATS record this year, eight and six. They're scoring offense, top five in the country, nearly 41 points per game. They're scoring defense, not bad either. Top 15, allowing just a tick less than 20 points per game. Now, Georgia, who has been a favorite in all but one game this year, that was the season and opener against Clemson, a 9-5 and five record against the number. And their scoring offense, Mark, is what I want to highlight here. Nearly 38 points per game, the eighth-best scoring offense in the country. Yes, we know how dominant the defense is for Kirby Smart and the Dogs. The top-scoring defense in the country, one of the most dominant defenses we have seen in all of college football in the last decade, allowing less than 10 points per game. But the offense can score. They put up 34 against Michigan in the college football playoff semifinal. Now, Mark, they don't want to have to score all that many points. They don't want to engage in a shootout with Alabama. But that's where I think, could Georgia win this game tonight? 28-21, 28-24, 31-24, and we get dangerously close to an over of that total. That's a very, very interesting number in my mind to handicap based on what Georgia can also do offensively. I mean, the way to beat Alabama, this script is, Ben, is you have to get to the mid-30s and you have to prevent Alabama from getting to 30 because Alabama is going to score their fair share of points. The team total for Alabama tonight at 24 and a half is perplexing to me. It almost seems way too easy. Like Alabama is going to get to 27. The question is, does Georgia get to 30? And so when you try to beat Alabama, you have to do those two things. If you only do one, you have a chance to beat them, but it's not as easy. Uh, if you do neither of them, you have no shot. And so Georgia's defense tonight will have to slow down Alabama and keep them in the 20s. Yes, Georgia can win this game 27-21 in that range. Absolutely. I think that is the script that they want to play into. I also don't think they ever want to get down in this game because Stetson Bennett in a negative game script is an awful recipe for Georgia betters. He's just not a guy that I want to put money on trailing by at least a score, if not two, and have him try to carry the team back into the game. That's not the guy to do it. So, you know, th the way this plays out, Ben, is Georgia has to get up early and hold the lead and get stops early because what we saw in the SEC championship game, the Alabama train, when it leaves the station, man, it goes fast and it doesn't come back. Certainly so, because let's not forget, Georgia had a 10-point lead early on yeah. in that SEC title game before Alabama opened it up with an explosive passing offense and Bryce Young throwing for more than 420 yards and wrapping up the Heisman Trophy. Jamison Williams had seven grabs for 184 yards and two touchdowns. And Mark, those are all the metrics, right? The recap of the SEC title game, the tail of the tape between Alabama and Georgia and what we can expect analytically tonight. There's also the idea of just the cosmic forces that we have. It's hard to beat a football team twice in about a month span. So it's hard for Alabama to knock off a team as good as Georgia twice. It's also very difficult to beat Nick Saban if you used to work with him. 
And we have these metrics here as well and the results between Kirby Smart and his former boss, Nick Saban. Kirby, a former defensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide, who has, in four tries, not beaten his former boss. So, Mark, that's all a part of what we have here. You look back at the 2017 National Championship game, Alabama comes back and wins in overtime. The 2018 SEC title game, Alabama comes back in the fourth quarter and beats Georgia. The regular season matchup last year, Georgia had an early lead as well before the Tide barnstormed the dogs in the second half. And then, of course, the SEC title game just about a month ago. Plenty of more angles and edges you need to know for the National Championship game tonight next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A full national championship game preview right here, right now on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159 and all across the SportsGrid network alongside Mark Zeno, the mouth in the South for a second straight segment. I am Ben Stevens. It's great that Zeno is the mouth in the South because tonight is a rematch of the SEC championship game now with a national title at stake. Number one, Alabama and number three, Georgia. We gave you our thoughts on how the game flow might look tonight and how you correlate that with the side and the total. Once again, Georgia, a slight favorite, laying two and a half points against Alabama. Alabama was a dog in the SEC championship game and won outright as a six and a half point underdog, 41-24. The over understands at 52 and a half right now. So Mark, we'll dive back into those numbers in just a moment, but let's continue to peel back the curtain here and look at some of the other bets that you can make tonight for the CFP National Championship. Some player props up right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and we'll start with the star players for the Alabama Crimson Tide. The Tide's talent, and of course, we begin at the top. The Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback in Bryce Young. His passing yards prop has dropped drastically over the last five days. 303 and a hook right now on FanDuel was 313 and a half earlier this week. Brian Robinson Jr.'s number, in terms of his rushing yards prop mark, is very, very interesting to me, given what Brian Robinson Jr. did in the CFP semifinal against Cincinnati. But now, this is Georgia's defense. So his rushing yards prop, only 65 and a half. And then Jamison Williams, who had 184 receiving yards and two touchdowns in the SEC title, has a ridiculous number for his receiving yards prop at 113 in a hook. So of those numbers, Mark, or maybe any more for Alabama's side that you have seen for tonight's national championship game, which prop stands out to you? Well, if you follow the script that Nick Saban's going to likely put together for a game plan in this matchup, go back to the SEC championship game last year at Mac Jones at quarterback. He threw for 400 yards against Georgia and beat him. Go back to this year's SEC championship game against Georgia. Bryce Young threw for 420 yards. So at 303, I look to the Bryce Young over because you're getting a good amount of value. Look, Nick Saban is going to have to go through the air to beat Georgia. He can't do it on the ground. You're not going to run right into the teeth of the Georgia defense. And the one thing they're better at than everybody in the nation, basically, except Wisconsin, I would say. And that's stopping the run. 
So Brian Robinson's rushing yards prop at 65, he rushed 15 times for 55 yards in the SEC championship game against Georgia. And that was with a little bit of a bum hamstring and a lower body injury. He certainly was healthier in the national semifinal, but he was also facing a much smaller, weaker Cincinnati defense. So is that 200-yard output you know, more of a smoke and mirror show against a weaker opponent than it would be against Georgia? I would lean towards yes. The problem for Brian Robinson is how many opportunities is he going to get? If he gets 15 again or above 15, I think you can rely on the over because he should have a little bit more success this time around, given the fact that he's 100% healthy to clear 10 more yards. But if Alabama ends up having to throw a lot more and stays with the, the, the passing game more than what they normally would do, it questions the limits for Brian Robinson. Now, does that help Jamison Williams a lot more? Of course it does. If Bryce Young's passing yard prop is going to go over, Jamison Williams' receiving yard prop is going to go over. I have a hard time believing that he's going to throw for 300-plus yards and not find Jamison Williams for 100 of them. Here's what's so interesting to me about that number for Jamison Williams. Maybe the most exciting player on the field on either side tonight. And I am not discrediting the talent that Jamison Williams has or the fact that he could have a 105-yard receiving game and score twice and make a drastic impact as Alabama looks to win its second straight national championship. But 113 and a half is a ridiculous number. They posted it at 108 and a half for the CFP semifinal against Cincinnati, and he only had... 62 receiving yards 113 and a half is not even what we saw Cooper Cup have for his receiving yards props in the NFL and Cooper Cup went over 90 receiving yards in 13 straight games and still never got his receiving yards prop up to 113 in a hook just very intriguing for me and Jamison Williams by the way minus 155 the best odds to find the end zone tonight on FanDuel 15 total touchdowns for Jamison Williams this year but Brian Robinson Jr. his number is so interesting to me Mark because again 26 carries 204 yards and a record-breaking performance for Alabama in that SC, uh, CFP semifinal game against Cincinnati it would seem like an autoplay at 65 and a half given that performance in the Cotton Bowl against the Bearcats but as Mark mentioned only other than Wisconsin and actually Alabama's effort now after their performance on the other side defensively against Cincinnati Georgia has one of the best rushing defenses in the country. And Georgia held Michigan, a team that entered the CFP semi, against Georgia as the eighth best rushing offense, averaging over 223 yards. Georgia held Michigan to only 91 rushing yards in that matchup. It was the first time all year Michigan had gone below 100 yards rushing. So Georgia's rushing defense is very, very good. I will say this, Mark, and I want to ask you this question because you mentioned it. Bryce Young's prop at 303 and a hook. Alabama's way of beating Georgia, it seems, is through the air. And with that explosive offensive passing attack. Now, Alabama has run a game plan to absolute perfection in their last two football games against Georgia in that SEC title game and did something that the dogs we weren't sure was even possible, scoring 41 points. We weren't even sure you could score three touchdowns offensively against Georgia. And then Alabama executes a game plan to perfection. And then when we all speculated about the Heisman winner of Bryce Young and Jamison Williams and what would they do without John Metchie III against Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant and that wonderful secondary of Cincinnati, what do they do? They run the football down the Bearcats' throat 
for over 300 yards as a team on the ground. So two very different game plans, both executed to perfection for the specific matchup that they needed. Now, knowing that Alabama has shown that to Georgia in the SEC championship game where they won 41 to 24, expecting Kirby Smart and the bright defensive minds on that Georgia side to make their adjustments, what do you think the game plan looks like for Alabama tonight, Mark? Well, I don't know if they'll use the exact game plan they use in the SEC championship game, and that was short passes early on because Alabama's offensive line I still think is a problem. We talked about that, you and I did, Ben, prior to the SEC championship game. It was a problem the last four weeks of the regular season. Their last three SEC opponents they gave up 15 sacks to over their last three SEC regular season games. And so Georgia looked hungry and was ready to go after Bryce Young. They never get to him because he got rid of the ball very quickly, and they made Alabama's offensive line not have to work as hard. I think that'll be part of it, but I still think that Alabama is going to go through the air because I just don't know that running into the teeth of the Georgia defense is going to help them. It's going to lead to a lot of three and outs. I would tell you that Bryce Young using the middle of the field more than anything is going to be a big part of what this team is going to do successfully. The breakdowns for the Georgia defense in the SEC championship game all came through the middle of the field. And I think that Nick Saban will look for that weak spot again and try to use his tight ends over the middle or at least try to get some crossing routes over the middle of the field to open things up, not only on the outside for guys like Williamson and the rest of the receivers, but also open things up in the passing game for them. And there should be a lot of play action done today by, by Nick Saban. I, I think that'll be a big part of what's going to make Bryce Young successful and also, will Bryce Young take off and run the way he did in the SEC championship game? If he does that, he's going to turn the Georgia defense on their ear, and they're not going to be able to figure out how to slow down uh, this Alabama offense because he's going to take those third and eight situations with a 10-yard scramble and keep the Georgia defense on the field. That offensive onslaught that Alabama provided against Georgia in the SEC championship game, I think brought Georgia on their heels because they had not experienced that even close to that level throughout the entire regular season. You would expect there to be a difference tonight having already faced Alabama. But the biggest key would be a pass rush on Bryce Young. Zero sacks Alabama allowed in the SEC title game. Georgia will need to get to Bryce Young tonight to change the tide. Yes, I say the tide of what that SEC championship game looked like now in the national title matchup. So as we looked at Alabama's props, let's also turn it to Georgia, Stetson Bennett, the quarterback for the Dogs, 245 in a hook. His passing yards prop tonight, a number that Stetson Bennett has gone over in three straight games, including that SEC championship game and the college football playoff semifinal matchup against Michigan. Then the leading rusher for Georgia, Zamir White, 50 and a half, his rushing yards prop. His backfield mate in James Cook, 43 and a half, just so you have that number as well. And the outstanding freshman tight end at Napa, California, Brock Bowers. His rushing or his receiving yards prop, rather, 72 and a half, now down actually to 70 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Any props on the side of the dogs, Mark, that catch your eye? Well, if you're thinking that Stetson Bennett's passing yards prop is going to go over, I'm telling you Georgia's losing the game. Like, that's just mm. the, the way it's going to go down. Look, Stetson Bennett eclipsed 255 yards three times this year in the SEC title game where he had to throw 48 times in the national semifinal against Michigan. Clearly, we know he threw for 300. And then it was week one all the way back against UAB. He had 258 yards. 
The problem is, is that Stetson Bennett never had more than 20 pass attempts at any point during the regular season. That's not the script that Georgia wants to play. If Stetson Bennett has to throw 30-plus times, that means Georgia mm. is behind and they have to play catch-up. So I'm going under with Stetson Bennett, especially if you're a Georgia backer. This under better come in. I do think Brock Bowers' receiving yard prop should go over because he will be the main target in the one mismatch that they have. If Zamir White doesn't clear his rushing yards pop again, Georgia is losing and losing terribly. The one Georgia prop that I really like, you didn't have it on the board there, and I would check it out, see if you can find it. James Cook receiving yards prop. I saw it last night at 23 and a half. Now, he had over 100 yards receiving in the national semifinal on four catches. He had four catches in the uh, in the SEC championship game, rather, against Alabama. This is the way I think Georgia will start to try to open up the run game a little bit by using the short passes. He's the best pass catching back that Georgia has, James Cook is, and that's a low total for a guy that literally on one play could break uh, a 25-yard run off a swing pass out of the backfield. I think he can make that literally in one play and exceed that number. So look at James Cook over 23 and a half receiving yards. A great, great lean there, Mark Zeno, because I agree. James Cook is utilized in the passing game in the way that Zamir White is not. So he provides that dual threat nature out of the backfield. I do want to bring up one point about Brock Bowers, a guy that has scored a touchdown in four straight games for Georgia, six touchdowns total in four straight games, including one in the SEC title game and, of course, one in the college football playoff semifinal against Michigan. His anytime touchdown scorer prop tonight is at minus 130, the second-best odds to find the end zone only behind Jamison Williams. Earlier in the week, last week, I should say, it was at minus 105 and his work by 25 cents. I don't like minus 130 for a prop as random as finding the end zone. So maybe not the best price anymore. But Brock Bowers over under four and a half total receptions tonight. Maybe I look to an over of the four and a half because he has become Stetson Bennett's favorite target for sure. So much to get to in this game, Mark. As you alluded to earlier as well, one thing that stood out to me, the team totals for tonight. It's a 52 and a half total overall. Georgia, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Alabama's team total, interestingly enough, 25 and a hook. Georgia's is 26-and-a-half. The over has the juice, but still very, very close in those estimates as opposed to what we will see. A first-half spread and first-half total for you there as well. We round out this second hour by getting Mark Zeno's closing thoughts on the national championship game. We get his prediction for tonight in Indianapolis on the other side of the break. Stay with us here on the morning after on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A college football playoff national championship game prediction to round out our number two of the morning after on this Monday. You are watching all across the Sports Grid Network and listening on Sirius XM Channel 159. For a third straight segment to close out our number two, the mouth in the south, Mark Zeno is here with me, and I am Ben Stevens. So let's get the mouth in the south prediction for the college football playoff national title game tonight. Will Alabama win its second straight, Natty or... 
Will Kirby Smart finally get over the hump and beat his former boss in Nick Saban, sending Georgia to a national championship victory? Let's find out from Mark and guess the line. Georgia, a two-and-a-half-point favorite currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over-under sits at 52 and a hook. Mark Zeno, you are the mouth in the South. In all SEC wins, and what is the final score? I'm going to go with 30-28 in favor of Alabama. Uh, I think Alabama is clearly just still, you know, this team that has Georgia's number. that can beat Alabama because the quarterbacks that have beaten Alabama in the past, and I'm not saying they have to be of this talent, but whether it's Trevor Lawrence, whether it's Deshaun Watson, whether it's Johnny Manziel, they're quarterbacks that are of a different skill set than what Stetson Bennett is. I think he's a little bit limited. I think Alabama, and they have a better game plan, better schemers, better coaches, and it's enough for me to trust the fact that Kirby Smart goes 0-5 against his former boss in a tight one. Give me the tide over Georgia, 30-28. to which handicapping thing prevails tonight? Hard to beat a team twice in about a month? Or it's very hard to beat Nick Saban if you've worked for him? Only one former assistant coach, that was Jimbo Fisher earlier this year, has accomplished that feat against Nick Saban. Mark Zinno, the mouth in the South. Catch him all across the grid each and every week. Thank you so much for your time and your preview of the national championship game. Thank you, Ben. Enjoy tonight. I will certainly. Happy Hour is up next on a great Monday here on The Grid. Stay with us.